0: Welcome to 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. Today we'll be talking to author Mark J. Rose about his new book, The Journeyman, the first in a series called Matt Miller in the Colonies. The story has it, American scientist Matt Miller is torn from his own century and dropped into colonial America with nothing except a backpack. His phone, his money, and his identity are all useless, and he quickly finds that he is foreign and alone in his own country. He suspects that his 21st century knowledge of science and technology could make him a king in the New World, but he soon finds that 18th century America is a dynamic place where nothing is guaranteed. Hello, Mark. Great to have you with us today. Welcome, and I absolutely enjoyed your book. It was fantastic.
1: Okay, well, thank you so much, John. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to... uh... Talk to you about this. Uh, I, I've seen some of the stuff you've done, or I've listened to some of the stuff, and it looks like you're a student of history as well. You're actually going to be normally. I'm talking to science fiction people, right? <laughs> and so now it's going to be a little different talking to somebody who knows more about history than I do, right?
0: Well, wouldn't wouldn't you know? Instead of studying up on 1762 in Richmond, I tried to study up on time travel. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but uh, your story, your storyline is great. How many of us? have have gone on to that thought train where we're suddenly dumped in another time and we have to cope with what we have. And it, it's a fantastic process for a story. And you have handled this story wonderfully. I could tell you've done a lot of research on your history, Richmond in 1762. Quite fascinating um, what was required. I, and, I, and I hope we'll be able to share some of that today with you in terms of, of how you came across that research why you decided on building the story the way you did. But first of all, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what inspired you to write this series.
1: Well, so I'm actually a scientist by background. Uh, I was born in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, I traveled a a lot of places in the country, so I've seen a lot of the United States. Uh, So my background, again, is in science. I have a a BS in chemistry, uh, and then I have a PhD in, in pharmaceutical chemistry. So I've been in the drug industry. And, uh, you know, some of that is kind of in the book, uh, but I, I've had a fascination, fascination with science uh, my whole life, and I've had a fascination with American history my whole life. And so when it came time to, to, to think about the book, um, those kinds of things, and, and even in school, I was debating whether or not to be, I was either going to be a scientist or I was going to be a political scientist. And I think my dad actually voted on this and he said, well, you know, what kind of job are you going to get, you know, if you major in political science? And, and I'm not saying that was the wrong thing to say, but, you know, that just kind of shows you where my motivations are and, and, and where my interests are, because it was kind of deciding one versus the other. And uh, yeah, when I got a chance to put them together in a book, you know, man, what an opportunity.
0: What made you pick Matt Miller and what made you pick 1762 in the Richmond colony?
1: Well, so I've always, so here's another, here's one of the reasons I wrote the book is because like even as a, even as like a a 10 year old, I I was always looking around and wondering that about how things work and, and realizing that, you know, we have all these things and and we don't have any idea how really the electricity comes to our house, how really our cell phone works, how really the clean water comes to your tap. We kind of know, you know, but we, and so I was always kind of fascinated with whether or not you could be put someplace and whether you could, you'd had any information whatsoever that would allow you to do the simplest things that we kind of don't even pay attention to in our society. And so that's kind of, I wanted to put a scientist, a, a fairly educated person, and I wanted, him to put, I wanted him to go into an environment where he really didn't have any skills And then test him and see if he would be able to survive and I knew a little bit about you know being a scientist and I I thought well you know what would I know and uh, what would he know and and so I put them I I put him there and he you know the story begins with him just being virtually helpless because when you think about it the skills that we have today aren't relevant to the 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 things that people needed to do back in, in 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 1762
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. We would each be at least temporarily mind-boggled if we were to travel back to that time. You're right. For the sake of our listeners, set up your story. Where does it start? Who is Matt, and how does Matt get transported back to time?
1: Well, so Matt Miller is a 26-year-old scientist who goes out on a hiking trip, and uh, every couple of years, he takes the time to go hike the Appalachian Trail, to to be alone with his thoughts, to meditate. Uh, So he's kind of a thoughtful person. And there's a reactor accident in Tennessee, and uh, he winds up getting pulled into a wormhole. Uh, and it's at Oak Ridge Laboratories, which is in Tennessee as well. He winds up getting pulled into uh, a wormhole, and he wakes up on a horse farm in 1762. And so for the first couple of days, you know, you don't, you don't wake up in a different century and, and immediately realize you're in a different century. It uh, takes him a few days to sort it out. Uh, he's on this horse farm. Once he does figure out where he is uh, and when, uh, he start, number one, he starts to think, how am I going to get back? Uh, and then number two, if I can't get back, how am I going to survive? And he realizes then he has real, really no skills. He's not a blacksmith. He's not a farmer. Um, he doesn't know people. He's not a politician. These are all things that were, were, were kind of valued in that society. Uh, he has to get a job working as a farmhand. Yeah, he gets a job as, as, as a farmhand, uh, starts working on the farm, and then he meets the beautiful farmer's daughter uh, from a fairly wealthy farming family on this horse farm, and his life changes.
0: <laughs> now, she up. thought he was a drunk, right? Because her, was it her sure. brother that found him in a ditch under, under a bridge?
1: Well, they, yeah, they, so they saw a guy sleeping under a bridge. And uh, the the son uh, actually convinced the father to go down and, and and rescue him, and that's not that's something that probably isn't in the story anymore. But that's the backstory. Uh, they put him in the wagon, thinking that he's a a vagrant. Uh, and but they're they're a Christian family, so you do those things, right? And and they bring him back to the farm, and they find out he's something a little more than 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 a than a, than a vagrant.
0: I'm sorry. What did they think about his strange clothes? How did you get past that situation? Um, that, that was kind of
1: the, I, I kept thinking about clothing, and I kept thinking about, you know, how could somebody misinterpret clothing? Um, one of the kind of novel things about all our clothing is it all has made-in-China labels on it. And so when people would ask him, well, where, where did this clothing come from? Um, he'd say, well, I've spent some time in, in the Orient or, or Asia, and uh, they have strange things. And, uh, you know, he'd kind of keep writing it off uh, as, 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 yeah, I was overseas. And that seemed good enough to, for people as, as an explanation.
0: Why, why did you pick Richmond, Virginia, which I think was a great pick? And how did you go about your research?
1: So I've always been in awe of Virginia. And my daughters will even make, uh, they make jokes about it. You, you love Virginia uh, because the, Virginia was the center of politics both for colonial America um, even though Philadelphia was the biggest city, still the Virginians were kind of where the politics was centered. Uh, and then also for the Civil War. and I, I'm, I'm thinking this is a proud group of people. This is a, th- th- these are people who represent uh, colonial America, and this is where the, this is where the action was. And so that's why I picked Virginia. Um, I thought it would be a great place for everything to happen.
0: Explain to us what happened at the farm. How did they accept him at first?
1: Well, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I, I took it to, you know, what do people always expect? What, what, do they, what do they respect, right? And they respect somebody who works hard. And I wanted to make Matt Miller, I wanted, I wanted him to come from a working class background. Okay, I didn't want him to be a, a privileged person, you know, to, to, to think that people owed him anything. You know, so immediately his idea is, well, you know, let's get to work that's one thing that they immediately respected about him was that, you know, they put him out in the field and they said, you know, cut the hay and no matter what, you know, he's willing to, to, to take the challenge and no matter how sore he got, no matter how many blisters he got on his hands, he's willing to put in a good day's work and immediately the work ethic, colonial people respected that.
0: Yeah. I I thought that was really well-written and well done. I also liked the way that it wasn't long before he gained the trust of, of the family. And then he started to make contacts. But the, way, the way that you wrote it and played it through, based on his reasoning and the actions that he took, was very, very real. And I think that's what hooked me on the book. There weren't any gaps in your story where I said, oh, that's fiction. Oh, that can't happen. <laughs> <That's not good. laughs> except, maybe, except maybe with respect to how his cell phone stayed charged all that time in order that Oak Ridge Laboratories was able to, to stay in touch with him. You said that he had some kind of a generator. Is that a real, is that a real thing?
1: Well, you know, actually, uh, that, that could be a real thing. Um, I wanted to make sure that that was, that, that was you know, something that... Because, you know, now they sell solar chargers. And I, I was going to say, well, you know, because backpackers actually take their cell phones along with them and they use solar chargers on their backpacks to, to charge their phones. Okay, I
0: didn't know that. So that's... And, and I didn't want to
1: deal with the whole him setting it out in the sun. And I thought, well, you know, there's another way to do this, and that's with, uh, you know, a wind-up generator charger. And, you know, you have to kind of conceptualize, you know, a way that, that his phone is charged. And, yeah. and that's the way I decided. I didn't want to deal with solar cells, so <laughs> that's it.
0: As a scientist, do you think that time travel is possible?
1: Well, so Einstein actually had a lot to say about that. Um, and so does so did his contemporary, a man named John Wheeler. And so Einstein, you know, he, he put the equations in place with his theory of relativity that you know, time is another dimension. And I think that that our brains are, you know, as an aside, you know, my hunch is that our brains are on the edge of detecting this this other dimension. Um, So I think actually the possibility is there um, based on the equations. And then John Wheeler was doing some really cool experiments towards the end of his life. And as I said, he was a contemporary in this whole relativity thing. Um, and he was doing this experiment i don't know if you ever heard of this and maybe when you were looking up time travel he 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 proved the he he did the something called the delayed choice experiment and that's where um, just by the observation of of some like if you observe a photon of light in flight you can actually based on the fact that you're aware of it change its flight pattern right because it's in another it's it's in a different dimension And the ramifications of this are pretty cool, and I'll let you chew on this for a little bit, that the ramifications are that since light travels at the speed of light, it's actually outside of our normal dimension, okay? Because it's traveling at the speed of light and we don't, nothing, time stops. The concept is though, if you're looking at at night and you're looking at a star, okay, the photon of light that you see in your eye, what John Wheeler semi-proved, is it can't leave that star until you're looking at it, okay? And that doesn't seem like that's, consa- that, that's, that, that's possible, right? But light doesn't travel in normal time, right? Light, light travels outside of time. And so it's conceptually, even though it, it, everybody says, you know, it's 10 million light years away, not true for light. You know, so there's some interesting things that we don't know about that make time travel it could be a possibility and i think that that humans you know we 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 have a deep need to sort out time you know we want to know what's going to happen in the future because we want to prepare we want to fix things in the past right we want to go back and change those horrible terrible things that we did or those mistakes we made if it's a possibility i think eventually humans will eventually get around to, to sorting it out you know whether it's the right thing to do or not i don't know but I'm going to say the answer to your question is, yes, it's possible. I don't know when we'll, we'll have a mechanism to do it.
0: Do you think humanity is threatened by rapidly changing technology?
1: Um, humanity is always threatened by rapidly changing technology. So I would say back uh, like in the, in the 18th century, right? it, it was the Industrial Revolution. Uh, the machines were going to take away everybody's jobs. Um, I remember when I was growing up, it was robots, right? Robots were going to take away everybody's jobs. Um, we were threatened then. I think now, what, it's artificial intelligence. I think human consciousness is, is such that, you know, we want to prepare, but we can adapt. You know, and I think we're designed to do that. As things change, we change. And we always seem to have a new challenge ahead of us. And I think we have to remember that sometimes, right? Because I, I, I go back to the Industrial Revolution at the, the end of the... The 1700s, you know, people. Oh no, what are we going to do? Who's going to employ us? And and it just keeps on and on and on. But we've still managed to find new challenges, don't we?
0: We sure do. Give our listeners a little bit more about Matt's challenges and how he responded to them while he was staying at that farm. Well,
1: I I think that like one of my advertisements is, uh, even in a journey across centuries, it's all about getting the girl. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yep. And so that's kind of that's and, I, and I, I tried to go back to what it was to be a, a young man. And, and I tried to think about what I was like, you know, in my 20s. And, and it was actually fun, you know, because those are times that are filled with passion. And you, you have really two things on your mind. Um, you finding the right spouse. Right. And then also achieving something in the world. And I, I wanted him to be working on both of those things. And, you know, as far as achieving something in the world, you know he has to situate himself he's looking around and he's realizing his, you know his, his weaknesses um, he's realizing he's only a farmhand um, he's looking at this brilliant young woman and saying I, I really don't qualify for her right and he's trying to improve himself so he does qualify that he can get her to say you know at least hello you know without disdain um, and so it was it was really that it was him trying to decide you know, how he was going to succeed. If he does wind up getting stuck in 1762, what kind of contribution could he make? And it takes him a while to sort it out because it's not obvious. But even in 1762 colonial America, people were concerned about their health, right? A lot of medicines, a lot of disease. And it takes him a while to kind of sort through that and realize, you know, maybe there is a contribution here. And maybe he could bring some of his knowledge to... Um, helping people you know and we all know that the idea and he comes up with the idea first and then actually no matter what good of an idea you have if it's not the right time and not the right place you know you're still not gonna make a living at it you know and he has to sort through these normal things but I wanted to make him kind of the I I needed a male hero as well and this was part of the motivation I I have a son I have two very strong daughters um, and at the time um, we were all talking about all sorts of uh, female heroes, you know, uh, Katniss from the Hunger Games, the Divergent Girl. And and that's all we saw in my house. My daughters are college now. So uh, and I was like, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of really kind of male real heroes. Right. We were, And a lot of times we were talking about antiheroes at the time that I was thinking of this, like Tony Soprano. And I was like, these aren't the kind of heroes I want. I want a young man who's mostly unsure of himself. But he's willing to step out into the unknown, even though his knees are knocking, and, and take on the world. And, and, and that's kind of the way I wanted Matt Miller to be. You know, he sees this woman. She's, you know, she ignores him at first. And, you know, how do I get it to, this woman to, to, to speak to me? You know, how do I make a living? You know, this is all very awkward. You know, just all these kind of things that young men deal with. But I still, in the end, he needed to be that guy who, okay... You know, even though the odds are against him, or he's beat to death on the ground, he's still going to stand up and he's going to walk forward. And uh, he was a hero for my son, really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There were a lot of great scenes in this book, The Journeyman. One of them was, it was very important to her, from a social perspective, to come out at this huge dance. Because everybody in that town would be watching her and whoever her escort was he finagled a way to get them called as one of four or five couples that they would name coming out on the dance floor. And you had written a scene where her younger brother, I believe it was, was was training him in the barn in where he was sleeping with their dog <laughs> by candlelight, how to do these Virginia dances, the dances that my wife talks about like the reel and the minuet and everything that was, Popular at that time and these had to have been difficult and he's really doing his best to learn this so he can impress her and uh, and It works out. It works out pretty well for him in the end, doesn't it?
1: Yeah I I can't remember what the book is called but there's a there's a, a book about life in colonial, Virginia and they talk about just that and and they it's it's one of the chapters is from the perspective of the man and learning the dances and how important it was actually to i mean it was a courting ritual and you your your, your place in 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 society was in virginia was based on things like this right and it talked about and it, again it's from for the first person this guy talked about how nervous he was and how many lessons he had to take and and, and sweating through his his colonial outfit, you know, and you could just imagine, and, and, you know, and eventually he stepped out and he did it. And, and, you know, he was victorious at the end, but it was a pretty big deal, right. For these people, um, a lot of pressure.
0: What's neat is Oak Ridge laboratories was still after him to come back. They wanted to bring him back through the same wormhole that they had sent him in. And they were telling him that there was only a certain amount of time left. And as, as per your space time, Einstein theory, I guess based on the theory of relativity, time was different for him in 1762 than it was in Oak Ridge. In, in Oak Ridge, I believe uh, six months would pass, but in Matt's life in 1762, maybe only a couple days would pass. And Oak Ridge knew they had only so much time to pull him out of there. And you created a great tension there because, one, number one, we never knew. We never knew as readers uh, if he was going to stay or if he was going to go or if Oak Ridge was going to be able to pull him out of there against his will. You created a great tension there. How did you come up with that idea?
1: No, I'm, I'm going to say that actually people convinced me of uh, what, I, what I was doing is, is early on when I had the story, in my, I had most of it written, and I was going around and I was pitching it to people, and people kept getting stuck on, well, how did he get back in 1762, and I, I couldn't get them past that. And they're, I'd be like, well, you know, magically it happened. And, and they're like, no, no, this isn't good enough. And, and there were, a number of people said it, maybe 10, you know, when I was pitching the story to people way back when. And I thought, you know, there's something to this. If a bunch of people tell you something's wrong and it gets stuck. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to go learn about time travel. And I'm going to have to, you know, learn what the theories are. And I'm going to have to make a plausible Scientific way in my own mind that he could wind up and then I'm gonna have to sort out, you know What happens with time travel and and the limitations and you know Can you go back and meet yourself if you go back in these kinds of things, right? Um, And so I needed a plausible way or people wouldn't accept the story and so it's based in science and, and For my own kind of, you know, my own satisfaction. I also had to have something that I believed and uh, that's how I became, you know, a semi-expert on, on, on time travel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I gotcha. It, they all. It was also. You also threw in the. I think it's called the grandfather principle. In that, a lot of theorists say that if we're able to, if we're ever able to go back in time, it's very dangerous because one slip and you could change everything. And then, then, what would happen? I think it's called the grandfather principle, where if you if you were let's say, for instance, you were to go back and kill your grandfather, yeah, then you wouldn't exist.
1: yeah, so they they call it the butterfly effect as well, and and that's kind of the thing like like and I think it's based on and it's it's not based on the movie. There was a movie called that, but it's 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 uh, the the time theorists were all talking about that, that just the of that was from a
0: a, that was from a Ray Bradbury book.
1: yeah, that's right, that's right, it was, that's right. Um, you know just the the, the the wings of a butterfly can change the whatever they do, they can have a cascading effect on everything downstream and it can be something as small as that. Um, I later have, and I won't I won't give up the second book, but Matt Miller actually sits and talks with another scientist about you know whether or not they believe this and whether one one person can change the universe or will the universe always kind of come back to what it originally intended you know, in the end, and they kind of think, well, you know, one person shouldn't be able to change everything. Right. And I kind of give that as his out for the kinds of things he does and whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I didn't want him to be guilt ridden constantly over every action that he took.
0: Boy, one, one interesting person for him to meet during that time would have been Benjamin Franklin. You're kidding. I've always, (laughs) I've I've always had a feeling that Benjamin Franklin had gone forward in time. So you haven't gotten and- to the second book yet, then, John? No. <laughs> you're okay. kidding. Did you have him meet Franklin? I'm not going to tell you, okay? <laughs> Probably, if you're a fan, of, if you
1: are a fan of the Founding Fathers, all I'm going to do is I'm going to say, well, you know, there were only so many uh, uh, really Da Vinci-like, Leonardo Da Vinci-like scientists uh, of that time. Um, and you can pick among them of the people he may have talked to. (laughs) I'll be doggone. Uh, but there's a lot of conflict in the first book and, 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 but the second part, the second is a continuation of his journey. Um, and he has to go and, and, and seek his fortune. Uh, and then there's a third book that's, uh, probably going to be done by the end of this year called Virginian. So the second book in the Matt Miller and the colony series is called profit. Okay. And, And the third book, uh, in the series is, uh, it's called virginian okay and it's it's then it's an even a, a greater continuation of the journey uh this time though um again i'm new at this so i'm not sure how much you give away but this time the adventures in london
0: okay now are there any good questions that i missed i'm not i'm not sure if i hit all the good questions but can you think of some things you'd like to say and i can edit them in
1: right um things that, that um, one of the things that that, I've, that surprised me actually about colonial america that I learned um, that I thought might relate to, to, to people of today, and, and it actually has been receiving a fairly good reaction from people, is that I wanted Matt Miller to be fascinated and attracted to two things. One was traditional courting relationships, right? And the other one was a sense of community. And I, as I look at my kids, and I looked at, at me growing up as well, I got the impression that kids kid uh, my kids, I mean, twenty-something people. When I talk to them, they're they're not entirely happy with with this trivial kind of way that we treat the opposite sex. And you can text them to to, to, to ask them for a date. Um, they've actually had a good reaction to the people that I've talked to to a more formal relationship, and it's men and women. Women want to be formally asked to. You know, go to the prom to go on a date. Um, they like the idea of somebody having to impress your 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 parents, you know, and having to come to your house and pick you up. and And I, I was surprised at that. It was it took, I took a chance. Uh, and then the other thing was that colonial Americans. So there, there was that very formal kind of romantic kind of stuff that went on, and then the sense of community. And I think that uh, one of the things that in colonial America that 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 they had. That we don't tend to have as much today you know whether based on the fact that i don't know my you still don't know my neighbors names to the left of me i say hi but we've never actually sit down for, sat formally for a conversation um, there's a lot of people like that and I'm, I'm in los angeles and people just don't know their neighbors they're not involved in local government there's not you know they're all, they're all concerned about the national election but we don't do a lot in the community and i wanted matt to be impressed by that, by that as well those are two things that attract him to, to colonial, colonial America, Um, this sense of community and living up to community expectations. And, and, and he just, you know, he finds it intimidating at first, but then, you know, after a while, he's like, you know, this is, it's kind of nice being a member of a community and, and and being able to kind of impact the things around you. And that was kind of one of the things that, uh, that I learned. And I learned that people might like that about the book, that, that it's, it's, it, it kind of, emphasizes maybe some of these things that, that, that people you know like and they'll identify with Matt a little bit because of this he likes the fact that he doesn't have to you know he has to not, all, not immediately that he has to kind of live up to her father's expectations and and I think a lot of a lot of men are like this you know they're, they're okay with trying to become a better man right they're okay to qualify for you know the attentions of the, of the woman of their dreams and uh, you see that. And, and I was uh, pleasantly surprised that people, no matter who, good reactions to it.
0: I, I agree with you so much. And that was one of the parts of the book that I did enjoy very much, is how you contrasted the cultures, the culture that he left in Philadelphia, modern-day culture, and the culture of colonial Richmond. And it makes us all along for that other time. We do live cloistered lives today. A lot of us don't buy the local newspaper. We only follow the national news. A lot of us don't really know our neighbors on either side. There's nothing that brings us together unless we choose to go to a, a neighborhood rummage sale or something like that. But other than that, our lives are consumed with our work and our family. And because of our electronic communications, we don't have to go outside of that for social contact. And it's just sad in a way. It's sad in a way. And we all kind of long for that other time. And I think a lot of us not being able to go back into the past a lot of us maybe long to move to that place out in the country you know out in the american heartland where at least our fantasies tell us well that's where people are like that everybody knows everybody else and everybody's a good neighbor it's probably not that way i haven't been out i haven't been out living in central illinois since i was 10 so, but uh, we all like to think that there is a world like that
1: I, I guess I don't want to say I, I don't want to lead people to believe that colonial America was perfect, but um, I, I kind of one of the things I wanted to make sure that we, that we don't do. And, and this was actually one of my, my motivations for writing the book as well. I live right down below the, 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 the Reagan Library and they have events all the time up there. And, and kind of one of the displays that I saw was, you know, it was, it was talking about the founding fathers and talking about everything bad about them. You know, and you can imagine the bad things, right? Because Thomas Jefferson, you know, had affairs and, and they owned slaves and all these things. And, and those are things that over, over the centuries we, we, we changed. But I, I think that we shouldn't judge them based on today's um, standards. Uh, we have to kind of be, in, and I'm in awe of what they put into place, right? Because this, this concept, that for, for their time, they were quite progressive. You know, and it took a while. It might still take a while for every, all men to be created equal, but we're getting there and they put it in place. And that's, I'm in awe of colonial America. I have no idea how they put that government in place and how they made it survive, but we all owe them a great debt. And uh, I wanted that to come out in the book. I wanted, you know, these people, for, for them to look, you know, for, for them to be good people, basically, you know and, and have so much about them that made all that we have today. And I think you know, because we're Paul, poly- everything's political, and, and we we're always poking at America and whatever. But man, oh man, you know, compared to every other society the world has ever seen, oh, geez, these guys put something into place that that you know, I, I don't know how they did it, I don't know how they maintained it. I because because could you do it today? I, I don't know. So,
0: America's yeah. still the, <laughs> America's still the greatest, freest country on earth. And people are still dying, literally, to get here. A lot of it has to do with those guys and their very liberal ideas back in those days. And I don't like it either when pundits or historians attack their personal lives and try to fit everything that happened in 1776 into the prism of what happens today. You can't do it. Unless these people understand their history and why people thought and acted the way they did, during those times, they're never going to get it right, and that I think is that I think is a shame. it. I don't like to see our founding fathers attacked either. I think uh, we owe them a huge debt, and we we owed the men who stuck by Washington during that cold winter of 1777-1778 at Valley Forge. We yeah, owed I those, mean
1: we, that was a miserable, miserable couple of years, right? And yep. and we kind of the history books. I remember when I was a kid, we all thought you know people were walking around with flutes and. Those people were miserable yep. and things were going so poorly and and they hung in there and, and they created that government and they were at each other's throats. And I, again, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they maintained it, but they did. And we owe them such a, a, a I can't keep saying it, a, yeah. such a, a debt. Well, it's true.
0: Here's a question. It was 1762 in Richmond. And let's just assume for a moment, we don't know, but let's assume for a moment that in the following series that Matt decides to stay. Back in that time. And I'm wondering as an author if you're going to bring him up to the revolution.
1: Um, yes, actually. And so that's probably the, the, the very end of the book series was uh, initially intended to be that way. Um, I'm a little hemmed in by dates and things yeah. because uh, I, I needed him to meet certain people. And so everything that like when he meets a, a certain person, it's historically accurate. Okay, so he can't be in a certain place unless that person is there. Um, right. And so he has a bunch of adventures before that, but kind of what I, what I wanted him to, to do is eventually, oh, gee, I, I don't want to give too much up, but actually have to, whatever he's built, if he's built anything, to face the consequences of a revolution uh, because that affected people a great deal. you know. And so if you were a wealthy person, You know, you were a target immediately and you weren't just a target from the English, you were a target from loyalists. Uh, And then it was the other way around as well. You know, so if you're a loyalist and you didn't like the idea and there were plenty of people who were loyalists, right? They didn't want anything to do with this whole nonsense revolution thing that was going on, you know, and and you had this conflict. And and I wanted Matt to be part of that. And I have to admit, I haven't written that part of the book yet because he's got a lot of struggles before he gets to uh, before he gets to that point.
0: Well, I I found the book extremely interesting. I can't wait for the I can't wait to dig into the other. I've only read number one, the Journeyman. So I can't wait to get to the others. You've done a great job with it. I think our listeners are going to enjoy it very much. So thank you.
1: Uh, thank you so much, John. It's great to to meet another uh, person who, who who loves American history and uh, yeah, just just precious. It's been a precious amount of time that we spent.
0: Encouraging you anytime you you want to talk to me. About some ideas you have, just to get my opinion, along with the hundreds of others you're getting, I'll be more than happy to to help you. Okay? No, no,
1: I appreciate that. It's it's that's cool.
0: I I love the pride. I love the pride you have in your country. I I can imagine you've done a good job raising your kids. That kind of shows in the way you write, and it kind of shows in the things you've said today. You're a good guy, a stand-up guy, and I've enjoyed uh, meeting you here, and I look forward to working with you in any way possible in the future to help your project succeed. No,
1: thanks so much. Great interview, so I appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot, Mark. It's
0: all. Yep. Bye bye.